Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Colossians called The Hope Laid Up for You in Heaven. Warren Wiersbe writes of the Colossian church that all kinds of philosophies uh, mingled in this cosmopolitan area because there was an east-west trade route right where Colossae was. Religious hucksters abounded in the area. There was also a Jewish colony in Colossae, and there was a constant influx of new ideas and doctrines from the east. It was fertile ground for religious speculations and heresies. This uh, area was also known for major earthquakes. In fact, around the time that Paul wrote, around AD 60 or 61, there was a major earthquake in this area. Laodicea was able to rebuild without Roman help or money, but the area got devastated time and time again by earthquakes. One of the, the things that scholars will see as you read on, they will say as uh, you read introductions about the Colossian letter is there was something called the Colossian heresy. And it had these weird combinations of Jewish mysticism and Greek philosophy and dualism. And it came out in different teachings that they taught. Here's an example. They apparently were telling people, you've got to be circumcised to be saved. Look at Colossians 2 verse 11. In him, in Christ, you were also circumcised, Colossians 2.11, with a circumcision made without hands, in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. This was a largely Gentile church, but as happened in the Galatian letter, there were Jewish Christians going in there, or apparently well-meaning, and they were saying you have to be circumcised to be saved, even as a Gentile. And Paul was saying, no, the circumcision that you experienced was a circumcision without hands. It was a spiritual one, not a physical one. We are the true circumcision who are circumcised and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can read Philippians 3, 2, and 3. If you skip ahead for a second to verse 16, there are people judging one another, and it seems to have a Jewish bent to it, Uh, 2.16, therefore let no one act as your judge in regard to food or drink, seems to have a kosher aspect in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. There are people who are judging one another and apparently saying you can't be close to God unless you honor the festivals and unless you honor the new moons, unless you keep certain dietary laws. And Paul says, don't let anybody judge you that way. If you're a Gentile believer, a non-Jewish believer, Christ is sufficient for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Christ is sufficient, that his payment made in the cross has made you complete and full in Christ? That's what the Bible teaches, and that's what Paul was having to deal with as he addressed this Colossian heresy. Uh, Another thing that they taught in this Colossian heresy is they began to demote Christ because they said uh, God... Uh, they believed that this, this was a Greek thought and it came really all the way back from Socrates. They believed that all matter was evil. This, this was their conclusion. So they said that God could not have made the physical world because all matter is evil and God couldn't touch that stuff. So what they taught was a series of intermediaries between God and the last God. And what they called these is emanations from God. So they said there's the ultimate God out there somewhere and emanations that flow down from him, almost like a ladder of smaller gods. 
And the, so they said that the true God can't touch matter. Matter is evil. We'll get to that in a second. So there must be in between lesser gods that go down a list and they go down and they're so far away from God that finally one of those lesser gods made the world and everything in it. Well, Paul debunks that in Colossians 1.16. Take a look. It says, for by Christ, by him, Christ is the subject. How many things were created? All things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created by him and for him, and he is before all things. Here's his supremacy, one of the themes of the book. And in him, all things do what? Hold together. Not only did Jesus make the universe, he holds it together. And he holds me together. And all God's people said, oh, to be in Christ, to have his power manifest in a human life is one of the great privileges for humanity. And Jesus Christ is the creator. There's no series of emanations or lesser gods. There's only one true God. God says, I know of no other gods. There were no gods formed before me or after me. I am it. Cornered the market on deity, baby. I added the baby. That's the deal. This is Jesus Christ, creator and sustainer of the universe. And this Jesus is the one who became human and died on the cross. Look at chapter 1, verse 22. And he, Jesus, has now reconciled you, Christian, in his, what? Fleshly body. Now, there, the Gnostics, this, this, this heresy, this Colossian heresy that scholars call it, took on forms of what's called Gnosticism. You say, what's Gnosticism, Pastor Michael? All these big words. The Gnostics come from a Greek word called gnosis or gnosis. It simply means to know. They were the people in the know. So they had secret handshakes and passwords and even underpants. I'm not sure if that's true, but it's true. Modern cults, you have to wear the right undergarments to be in the club. I'm not joking. And you have to know the passwords and the phrases and the way to climb the ladder to this God because you must achieve your way through all these lesser gods and intermediaries. But the Bible says through Paul, there is one God and one Mediator between man and God. There's not a series. There's not a ladder. There's one. One go between. Aren't you glad? Praise God. And so, but the, the Colossian heresy said, oh no, matter's evil, so there can't be an incarnation. God could not have become human. In fact, we don't even believe God made the world. So they denied what we call the incarnation, that Jesus was incarnate. What's that mean? That he became flesh. And the Gnostics taught that Jesus was a phantom. He looked physical, but he really wasn't physical. He just appeared that way. And in the Gnostic romance books, they said when Jesus walked, he didn't leave footprints. He was just a phantom of some sort. That's a lie. He was born in Bethlehem, fully human, right? Perfect, but in a human body. That shows you that not all matter is evil. Jesus Christ is God and became flesh, God with us. Amen? Amen. So here's what Paul's dealing with, a heresy that denies uh, the incarnation and denies the, that God is the creator or that Jesus is the creator. They said all matter is evil. But remember when God made the world and everything in it, in the book of Genesis, what did he say? He made something and he said it is, what? He didn't say it's evil. He said what? 
it is good. It is good. It is good. The one time he said it's not good is it's not good for man to what? To be alone. But he said it's good. And Adam himself was made out of what? The dust of the ground, out of matter. And God breathed into Adam the breath of life. And Adam was a perfect being before the fall. Not all matter is evil. That's ridiculous. But some of the people in the church picking up Greek ideas from Greek philosophy and what's called Greek dualism began to deny the biblical accounts and the identity of Jesus. And this still happens today. People get an idea. They presuppose the idea. They, it's called a presuppositional viewpoint. They, they put it on the text and let it, instead of letting the text dictate what's true, they presuppose an idea and say, well, that doesn't square up with this. And they become the judge of the Bible rather than the word of God becoming the judge of all truth and ideas. Amen. So this is what happens. This is what Paul is dealing with. And so here's how people responded. They imbibed or embraced this idea that all matter is evil. And there were two uh, uh, responses in the way people lived. The first response, it was called asceticism. Sorry for all the big words. But asceticism meant that I'm going to beat up my body. I'm going to beat it into submission because all matter is evil. So what I have to do is really, I have to abuse myself, abuse my body. And there were, in the ancient world, there were literally these people called flagellists. The flagellum was the Roman whip that had the bone and, and so forth on it. And that's what they whipped Jesus with. And they would walk around, get this. They were also known as monastics and some monks did this. And they would walk around and they would whip themselves. How you doing, Fred? Hold on a minute. Better now, man. They would walk around whipping themselves, abusing their bodies. And some of the well-meaning even... Uh, early members of the church took this to such an extent that when they felt like they were being tempted, sometimes they would just dive into a thorn bush. I'm feeling temptation right now. Hold on a minute. I'll see you guys in a few. And and now in other religious movements, there are people in certain religious movements in the East that sleep on a bed of nails. There are people who do pilgrimages on their knees until their knees bleed. They will, and, and why do they do this? Because they're trying to appease the God. Look how sincere I am. <laughs> like, really? Now check this out. Here's where Paul says in Colossians 2, look at verse 20. These people say things like this. Do not handle... I'm sorry, 2.21. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with the using in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are what? Of no value against fleshly indulgence. You know, People in the early church took this so far that some people emasculated themselves in the early church, thinking that that would help them avoid temptation. Some people went and lived in a monastery. But all of this, forgetting what the central problem is, the central problem is right here, folks. It's the heart. The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things or desperately sick. Who can understand it? 
It's not severe treatment of your body that's going to get you right with God. It's that you are born again. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a long-time listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Look how sincere I am! (laughs) Really? Now check this out. Here's where Paul says in Colossians 2, look at verse 20. These people say things like this. Do not handle two, I'm sorry, 221. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with the using in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are what? Of no value against fleshly indulgence. You know, People in the early church took this so far that some people emasculated themselves in the early church, thinking that that would help them avoid temptation. Some people went and lived in a monastery. But all of this, forgetting what the central problem is, the central problem is right here, folks. It's the heart. The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things or desperately sick. Who can understand it? It's not severe treatment of your body that's going to get you right with God. It's that you are born again, amen, to a living hope. You must experience the power and the grace of God to be saved. You don't need to just be band-aided. You need to be renovated. You need to be regenerated of the Holy Spirit. Now, the opposite side of this was people responded, well, you know what, if all matter is evil and the body's wicked and it's unredeemable, then the flip side, the, the opposite pole was what's called antinomianism. So here's, there's another one, Pastor Michael. Antinomianism is simply this, no, namos in Greek means law, anti means no. So they said no law. So here's the deal. If the body's unredeemable and all matters evil anyway, then guess what we're going to do? We're going to do whatever we want with our bodies because all that really matters is our spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul addressed a group of people apparently still messing with prostitutes as Christians. 
justifying their behavior. And Paul said, don't you know, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. You've been bought with a price, therefore do what? Glorify God in your body. Your body does matter. This went so far with these people who had this strange view from the Greek uh, 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 dualists and so forth philosophers. It went so far that they began to deny the material nature of the resurrection body. They said Christ, all matters evil, so Christ didn't have a body, therefore he couldn't have raised in a physical body. They denied the physical resurrection of Christ. And many even modern cults and religions teach that when Jesus rose from the dead, he was in some sort of spirit form, but it wasn't a physical resurrection. And Jesus debunks that in Luke 24 when he says, hey, got anything to eat? And they had a piece of broiled fish in some versions say a honeycomb, and he ate it in their presence. Aren't you glad in the resurrection we're going to eat Oh, it makes me so happy. So here's the deal. 1 Corinthians 15 was written to a group of people denying the resurrection. And all matter cannot be evil because you and I are going to live forever in resurrection bodies that are going to be physical. How could all matter be evil if we're going to spend eternity in resurrection bodies in a new Jerusalem with a resurrected Christ? All matter cannot be evil. And so what, what you see is in the Colossian her heresy a thread of teaching that permeated seemingly every area of this church. And when you get one idea wrong, when your theology is wrong, it can cause you to live the wrong way in a lot of areas. So there's certain people who have beliefs about the afterlife and they believe they have to earn their way or they have to beat their body into submission or it really doesn't matter what they do. And so your belief system does affect how you live. Your doctrine affects how you live out your belief system. That's why when you read stuff like this in the New Testament, don't be shocked that people are called out and corrected. The reason is, is because this is hugely important. What you believe matters because you're going to live it out in your life, right? All right, all of that is introduction. How do you like that? Now, with very limited time, we're going to tackle the first eight verses uh, I guess you could sum up the Colossian heresy. Some people believe it was one system with, the, with a word called syncretism. They were trying to kind of amalgamate multiple belief systems into one. And the closest thing that we have to it today is the modern New Age movement. The modern New Age movement says you can take a little bit from Christianity, a little bit from Hinduism, a little bit from Buddhism, a little bit from this, and a little bit from that, and it doesn't really matter as long as you're sincere. The highest belief in many circles today is sincerity. Are you sincere about what you believe? If, if, you're, if that's true for you, it must be true. No, truth is not determined by how you feel, Right? All right, let's go into verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Just quickly, Paul's the author of the letter. Timothy's with him, not the co-author. Timothy, our brother. Paul called him my son. Now he says, Timothy, our brother. It reminds us that as Christians, we are family. This is a family of God. It's not always easy to love family. Amen. <laughs> We're all different. We have different perspectives and stuff, but we're called to love each other. That's what the church is. It's a family under the headship of Christ. 
Some people believe that uh, Timothy is acting as Paul's secretary, writing the letter for him as he speaks it out because Paul had potentially some problems with his eyesight and so forth. The church is not a kind of abstract entity. It's not a building. It's the men and women and children of God. You are the church. No matter where we met today, this would be church because you're the church. Verse 2. He writes to the saints and faithful brethren. The church is saints. The word saint in Haggia is Haggias in Greek, and it means sacred. Saints are sacred, holy, pure, set apart exclusively for God. That's what you are. You're a saint. Now, I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church, and the Roman Catholic Church, uh, they have a process by which they saint people. You have to do a miracle and do other certain works. But in the New Testament, you're a saint simply by your belief in Christ and that you're born again and part of his family. That's what makes you a saint. And as J. Vernon McGee used to say, you're either a saint or an ain't. There's no other categories. That's it. We're sitting at a Bible study some years ago with a wonderful Italian a Roman Catholic man who uh, was part of the Christian church and so forth, but he had a lot of Roman Catholic history. And I was teaching on this. It was early in the morning, early 6 a.m. Bible study. Some people were taking coffee intravenously. It was just an ugly scene, drool and stuff. And it wasn't pretty. But anyway, I was teaching through this, and I said, all of you at the table, if you believe in Christ, you're a saint. And uh, this Italian brother of ours looked around and he goes, I just know one thing, ain't none of you saints. <laughs> Now, I understood where he was coming from, but this is what the Bible says. The Bible says you're a saint, you're holy to God, you're set apart, you are sacred, you're important to him. He writes to the faithful brethren, Adelphos, in Christ, at Colossae. They are in Christ, that's their identity, but they are at Colossae. You are in Christ if you're a Christian, but you live in, many of you, in Corona, right? In Christ, at Corona. Could we say it that way? You live in, in two spheres. One is your geographic location. Doesn't matter where you are. We could say of oh, the church at Corona, but you are in Christ. That's your position before the Lord. No matter where you go, you're in Christ and at Corona. Now, I hope you're not just at Corona. I hope you're in Christ at Corona. Everybody with me? Because if you're only just at Corona, that would be really sad, wouldn't it? Except for the few, ro- few frozen yogurt places and Mexican restaurants. I mean, what else? <laughs> that was an attempt at humor. Anyway, we'll move on. You've been listening to The Hope Laid Up for You in Heaven, part two on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Colossians 1, 1 through 8. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to Walk in Truth on this station. But please continue listening here because, well, this station is honoring the Lord by serving many more ministries in addition to ours. And you'll get to hear the latest broadcast from Pastor Michael. Walk in Truth is also available on your podcast app. It's on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many others. And you can listen to all of Pastor Michael's previous teachings. We have Pastor Michael's teachings on the book of Job, Psalms, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, Galatians, Revelation, and many more. Listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want on your favorite podcast app. Now, here's Pastor Michael. When we talk about hope, you know, an attitude of thanksgiving is uh, really a branch that comes off the tree of hope. When you're hopeful, you're thankful. When you're thankful, you're hopeful. They kind of go together. But maybe you'd say, I'm neither. (laughs) I'm not hopeful or thankful. 
It could be because of something you're going through right now. It could be because you're disappointed. Maybe you are hurt by another Christian. Maybe you have a relationship that is in turmoil. Maybe you've tried to take a righteous stand and lost your job. That's going on. How do you balance that? You say, Lord, I want to stand. I want to make a righteous stand. And yet you call me to take care of my family. What, What do I do? And maybe you feel like you've been praying about it and you're not quite sure. And that can rob us of some hope. What do we do? Well, brethren, we're not the first to face crazy times, nor will we be the last should the Lord tarry and, uh, you know, put off his coming, so to speak. So what do we do in the meantime? Well, we put our hope in God and we do that by staying focused on the things of God, despite what's going on. And we look for opportunities to share hope. And I will tell you this, one of the best ways to become hopeful again is to share the hope with others. You might look for those opportunities. Hey, if we can help you and you just need someone to pray with, someone to talk to, we're available at this number, Tuesday through Friday, 9 to 4 Pacific Time, 844-48-TRUTH. One more time, 844-48-TRUTH. If you want to call in, tell us what the program has meant to you. Uh, If you need to talk to a pastor, we're happy to interact with you and pray with you. So take advantage of that, 844 48 Truth. Have a tremendous weekend. Make sure you get to in, into worship with your church family. Come visit us if you'd like to visit us here at Living Truth in Corona. Go to walkintruth.com for more. Walkintruth.com. Talk to you Monday. And join us on Monday for part three of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Colossians 1, 1 through 8, called The Hope Laid Up for You in Heaven. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.